0: Today we continue our journey through the Gospel of Mark. We find ourselves in the middle of the 8th chapter where Jesus gives physical sight to a blind man and he gives spiritual sight to his somewhat blind disciples. We find our passage over in Mark 8 verses 22 through 30. Let me read it for you. It says, They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, and then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ. And Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Let's bow for prayer. God, I thank you so very much for this opportunity to share your your story. And God, I pray that you will speak to each of us. God, that you open our hearts and more importantly that you open our eyes that we might see you for who you really are tonight. God, just bless us now. Speak to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. At first glance, we may think that these two events are unconnected. I mean, Jesus restoring sight to a blind man, and Peter confessing Jesus as the Christ. But I believe that Mark had a purpose for putting these two stories together The one illustrates the other. Restoring physical sight illustrates restoring spiritual sight. And and so we begin with the restoring of physical sight. We begin with the miracle of Jesus giving sight to a blind man. There, There are many ways that this miracle is like other miracles that he did. For example, think back to the miracle that Jesus did at the end of the seventh chapter, healing a deaf and dumb man. In, in that miracle, and in this miracle, other people bring the person to Jesus to be healed. In, in both miracles, they beg Jesus to touch the man. In both, Jesus takes the men away from the crowd, demonstrating a personal compassion for each of these men. I mean, can't you just see Jesus lovingly taking the blind man's hand and leading him outside the village? In in both miracles, Jesus uses spit as part of his healing. With with the the deaf and uh, dumb man, he spits and touches the man's tongue, and, and with the blind man, he spits on the man's eyes. It's interesting that saliva was thought to have some therapeutic value back in Jesus' day. Also, in both of these miracles, Jesus tells the healed men not to tell others about the miracle the healed blind man was to go straight home and not go back into the village. But there is one big difference between these two miracles. As a matter of fact, there is one big difference between today's miracle and any other miracle that Jesus did. This healing of the blind man happens in two stages. In all the other healings that Jesus did, the healing happened immediately and completely, but not here. After Jesus spits on the blind man's eyes and lays his hands on him, he asks him, can you see anything now? And the man answers, yes, man, I see people, but I can't see them clearly. They, they look like trees walking around. And so Jesus places his hand on the man's eye a second time, and this time his sight is completely restored, and he can see everything clearly. Now, why did Jesus heal this blind man in two stages? Was this healing more difficult than other healings? I don't think so. I mean, maybe Jesus was tired, or maybe it was just an off day when his spiritual power, his divine power, was a little low. No, I don't think any of those were the case. Jesus could have healed this blind man immediately, but instead he chose for some reason to do it in two stages. It is helpful to remember that Jesus didn't do miracles for miracles' sake. He was always using miracles to teach lessons. We learned last week that the deeper lesson for Jesus' miracles is to teach that He is the Son of God and He is able to make a difference in life situations. But as we saw last Sunday, the disciples weren't learning that lesson. Listen again to what Jesus asked them, Mark 8, verses 17 and 18. He says, do you not see, still see, or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see, and ears but fail to hear? And then Jesus adds another question, verse number 21, don't do you still not understand? In reality, the disciples were exactly like the deaf man who Jesus healed. They had ears, but they weren't hearing the spiritual lessons that he was teaching. And they are exactly like the blind man. They have eyes, but but they're not seeing who Jesus is. They're not seeing his true identity. And we can be just like the disciples We can be spiritually deaf not hearing what Jesus is teaching. We can also be spiritually blind not seeing who Jesus is. Not seeing his true identity. The sad truth is that's where most of the world is at this morning. They are spiritually deaf and blind to Jesus. They don't listen to his teachings. And they don't see Jesus for who he is. They don't see his true identity identity. However, just as Jesus heals the physical deaf and blind in the scriptures, he can heal the spiritually deaf and blind among us. Or making it more personal, he can heal each of us in whatever spiritual deafness or spiritual blindness that we have. And interesting, there are two stages to this spiritual healing. Two stages to seeing Jesus' true identity. Just as there were two stages to the blind man's healing. In in the first stage, our eyes see unclearly who Jesus is. Look, Look at Mark 8, 27 and 28. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi, On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. It is significant that Jesus and his disciples are on their way to the villages around Caesarea Philippi when he asks this question. Caesarea Philippi was a pagan city known for its worship of many different Greek gods. And it was especially known for its temple to the ancient god Pan, the god of shepherds, hunters, and the wilds. Now in light of all these pagan gods worshipped there, in Caesarea Philippi, Jesus asks, Who do people say I am? From the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, the people who saw him and heard him knew that there was something special about him. In Mark 1, Jesus teaches in the synagogue in Capernaum. And the crowds are amazed at his teaching because he was teaching as one who has authority. Jesus also cast out an evil demon that same day from a man. And the people were further amazed. Mark 1 verse 27 says, The people all were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. And then over the months that follow, as they hear more of Jesus' amazing teachings, and saw more of his amazing miracles, they begin to think that he has to be a man sent from God. Just listen to what the people were saying about Jesus in Mark 6, verses 14 and 15. It says, some were saying, John the Baptist has been risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers at work in him. Others said he is Elijah, and still others, he is a prophet Like one of the prophets of long ago. And basically that is the answer the disciples give Jesus when he asks about who people say that he is. They think that you're John the Baptist. They they think that you might be Elijah or one of the other prophets. People this is an unclear picture of who Jesus is. He was much more than any of those people. Of course, over those same months, the disciples were working through what they believed about Jesus. Back in Mark 4, after Jesus had calmed a fierce storm on the Sea of Galilee, look at how the disciples responded, Mark 4, verse 41, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. The disciples also knew that there was something special about Jesus, but they weren't sure exactly who He is. And up to a few days in Mark 8, they are still unsure about who Jesus is. They have heard more of the amazing teachings that He has made than anyone. They have seen more of His amazing miracles than anyone else. And yet they are still Not sure who Jesus is. As I said earlier, they have ears, but they weren't hearing the spiritual lessons that he was teaching. They had eyes, but they weren't seeing clearly who Jesus is. They weren't seeing his true identity. People, we have to be careful that that does not describe us. Having ears, but not hearing Jesus' spiritual lessons And having eyes, but not seeing Jesus' true identity. See, the most important question that we have to ask in life, or that we have to answer in life, is the question that Jesus asked his disciples, Who do you say I am? And if we answer that question, how many people in Jesus' day answered that question? Suggesting that he was an amazing teacher, or an amazing miracle worker, or an amazing prophet sent from God, then we would have an unclear message of who Jesus is because he is much more. He is much more than that. We can also spend our days like the disciples with hard hearts and minds trying to decide what we believe about Jesus. We may think that he is much more than just a great man or a great teacher or a great miracle or a great prophet, and yet at the same time, we we are not ready to believe that he is anything more than those things. How sad it is that multitudes of people will die knowing that there is nothing in their mind special about Jesus, never knowing who he really is. They will simply stop short at this first stage, our eyes seeing unclearly who Jesus is. It's like seeing people, but they look like trees. In the second stage, our eyes see clearly who Jesus is. Look at the rest of this morning's scripture, Mark 8, verses 29 and 30. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ. And Jesus warns them not to tell anyone else about him. Here Jesus wants to know what the disciples believed about him. He stresses you when he asks this question. They have just told him what the, the people believe about Jesus. But what about, what about you disciples? What, what do you believe and Peter speaks up for the group and declares, you are the Christ. The word Christ is simply the Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah. Literally for centuries century, the Jewish people have been looking for a promised Messiah who would deliver Israel and establish a worldwide kingdom. And Peter is proclaiming that Jesus is that promised Messiah, the promised Christ who God had sent into the world. Although Jesus has been demonstrating that he is the promised Messiah throughout his ministry again and again through miracle, this is the first time that the actual word Christ appears in Mark since the beginning verse of the book. The first verse, Mark 1.1, says the beginning of the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Everything up to this point in Marks 8 has been building up to Peter's confession that Jesus was the Christ. That was what Jesus wanted his disciples to believe about him. He wanted them to know his true identity as the Messiah. Of course, as I've mentioned before, the Jewish people in that day had a misunderstanding about the Messiah. They thought They thought that he would be a political leader who would deliver them from Roman rule. But Jesus wasn't the Jews' military savior. He was their spiritual savior who came to deliver them and us from sin. However, according to the gospel of Mark, there is more to Peter's confession. Look at Mark 16, verses 16 and 17. Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. Peter also confessed that day that Jesus was the Son of God. That he is not just human, he is divine. God sent his beloved son into the world. I mean, what a confession. Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. See, just as Jesus opened the eyes of the blind man so that he could see physically, God opened the eyes of Peter and the other disciples so that they could see spiritually who Jesus really is. Jesus' true identity wasn't revealed to them by any person but by God Himself. He revealed it through the life and ministry of Jesus. He revealed it through his Son's miracles and his teachings. He revealed it through his word and his spirit. They could see now that Jesus wasn't just a great man or a great teacher or a great miracle worker or a great prophet. He is the Christ, the Messiah the Son of the living God. In Matthew 16, he went on to say that it is upon this confession, Peter's confession, that he was going to build his church. And our congregation is built upon the confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. It is the very confession that we make before we're, immer- before we're immersed Into Jesus. I remember saying on that July day. I believe that Jesus is the Christ. The son of the living God. And that confession should make a difference in the life that we live. It is one thing to say the words. It is another word. Another thing. To live out our faith in Jesus. Once we know his true identity. See, the book of Mark makes a shift with Peter's confession. Up to this point, Jesus was building faith in his disciples that they might know that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But from now on, Jesus will be building upon the disciples' faith in him. They have moved from the first stage of seeing Jesus unclearly like the blind man seeing people as trees, to the second stage where they see clearly, where they see clearly who Jesus is. Jesus wants to do the same work, you and me. First, he wants to build a faith in us that we might know, that we might know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus wants to build upon our faith in him, moving us from the first stage of seeing unclearly who he is to the second stage of seeing clearly his real identity. The question that each of us must answer is the second question that Jesus asked his disciples But what about you? Who do you say, I am? If Jesus was a great teacher, there have been other great teachers. I mean, if Jesus was a great prophet, there have been other great prophets over the years and over the centuries. If he was just a great man, there have been other great men. If he was just a man, he could be easily ignored. But if Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, you can't just ignore him. You have to decide what you're going to do with Jesus. Will you reject him or will you follow him? I'd like to close with the words from an old song entitled, The Outlaw. It was written and sung by Larry Norman back in 1972. I'm not going to sing the song, but I'm going to just read the words as you think about the question, who do you say I am? Some say he was an outlaw, that he roamed across the land with a band of unschooled ruffians and a few old fishermen. No one knew just where he came from or exactly what he's done. But they said it must be something bad he keeps that keeps him on the run. Some say he, he was a poet, that he'd stand upon a hill and his words could calm an angry crowd and make the waves stand still. That he spoke in parables that few could understand, but the people sat for hours just to listen to this man. Some say he was a sorcerer, a man of mystery. He could walk upon the water. He could make a blind man see. That he conjured wine at weddings and did tricks with fish and bread. That he talked of being born again and raised people from the dead. Some say a politician. He talked of being free. He was followed by the masses on the shores of Galilee. He spoke out against corruption and he bowed to no decree, but they feared his strength and power, so they nailed him to a tree. Some say he was the Son of God, a man above all men, but he came to be a servant and to set us free from sin. And that's who I believe he was, because that's who I believe. I think we should get ready because it's almost time to leave. Let me share some practical application as we close this morning. What what do we need to do as a result of this morning's message? Let me share three things, three action steps here. Number one, decide what you believe about who Jesus is. Are you clear or unclear about his true identity? I mean, each of us have to decide for ourselves who we believe Jesus is. We've got to answer that question, who do you say I am? Second, if you are unclear about who Jesus is, make it a priority to discover his true identity. Don't wait until it is too late. Again, the most important question that you have to decide is what you're going to do with Jesus. And what you're going to do if you discover that He is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And so the third step, if you are clear about who Jesus is, then confess Him as the Christ, the Son of the living God, and commit your life to Him. That's what He deserves. That's what He deserves. If He is the Christ the promised Messiah, if He is the Son, the very Son, the beloved Son of God, then He deserves our commitment to Him. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank You so very much for Your grace and Your kindness to us. God, I thank You for giving us time to learn and understand Exactly who your son is. Exactly who Jesus is. And so God help us to see him. And his true identity. God help us to see him. As the promised Christ. As the promised Messiah. Help us to see him. As your beloved son. And help us. To commit our lives to him. He is deserving of nothing less. Uh, Again, if he's only a man, only a prophet, (laughs) only a great teacher, he may not deserve our commitment and our sacrifice. But if he is the Christ, and Lord, I, I believe that he is, he deserves our commitment and our sacrifice to him. And so God, work in these moments in each of our lives. Help us not just to be hearers of the word, but doers of it. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. People, this is an important message. And it is an important question that Jesus asked. And one you need to answer. Who do you say that I am? And if you need help answering that question, please get in contact with us. You can call us on our church phone. Two one seven three seven nine four 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 three, or you can contact us through our website PaxtonChurchOfChrist dot We'll be, we'll be glad to help you to get to know Jesus and to get to know His true identity. We thank you again for listening. We look forward again to sharing with you next Sunday. Have a great week. God bless.